Welcome to the Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary, and today we are going to continue doing our our draft recaps for each division in the NFL. The last time we did this, I did the NFC East. Uh, today we're going to be doing a recap of each team's draft in the AFC East division. That'll be fun. Then to end off the podcast, I want to get into the NBA draft a little bit. I've been doing some scouting, watching some film. So I want to go in and take a deep dive on some of the top prospects in the, in the NBA draft. Um, I'm going to look at three prospects today. LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Killian Hayes. Um, I'm really excited to talk about those guys. But let's go ahead and get started. And to start off, to start this pod off, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills and what they did in the draft because they had a really, really good draft. First off, they didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, their first selection was in the second round. And they took Iowa defensive end, A.J. Epinesa. Now, if you've listened to this pod, you know I am not the biggest Epinesa fan. He's really, really big. Like, he is a humongous human being. And he's got incredible raw power. But for a 4-3 defensive end, and that's what he was playing as in college at Iowa, he just doesn't have the athleticism to succeed in that position in the NFL. He doesn't have great speed. The get-off is not anything special. And he just doesn't have enough bend to succeed as a 4-3 defensive end, in my opinion. I think he will be good as a 3-4 defensive end. And so I was hoping he would go into a a scheme where he would not be asked to play as a 4-3 defensive end. He didn't. I think this is a great fit for him and the Bills. I love this pick. Although I'm not a huge FNS guy, I I didn't hate the player. Because Epinesa is a beast of a human, like he is a mammoth. He is a huge guy. I think he's a spectacular defensive end. He's good against the run. He is great at powering through tackles. He did a great job of doing that at, at Iowa. I just didn't like him as much as like Gross Matos or Caleb on Chaseon or Caleb on Chaseon. Well, I can't speak. And obviously Chase Young. Um, but this is a really good spot for uh, for him. And the Bills just keep keep loading up on their defensive line. They, they did some nice, thing, nice things in the offseason, loading up on their front seven. Uh, they continue doing that with this pick. I love the selection here. I think he's going to be great in Buffalo. Uh, in the fourth round, they picked up Utah running back Zach Moss. Actually, I believe this was the third round. Uh, they picked up Utah running back Zach Moss to split carries with Devin Singletary. And I love this selection. Zach Moss is a really, really good running back. He was really close to making my top five running backs because I just really like him. He's not explosive, doesn't have great speed, um, but he had, he had decent speed, and he's really good at hitting, hitting the hole. He's just a good, solid running back. I don't think he, he has the physical tools to be up there with everybody else in this class, like J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers. I don't think he's on those guys' level, but he's in that tier below them. I think he's a very solid running back. He's kind of a a power back, kind of with a a little more speed. He can be, you can really uh, give him a lot of carries, I think. I think he is a, he has the, 
you know, he can be a starter in the NFL, I believe. Um, and he's going into a great situation where he can split carries. He's got, and he's going to split carries with Devin Singletary, like I said before. This is a great situation for him. I love this pick in the third round. That's a, uh, that's good. I think that's that's a right about where I would have taken him. Um, a lot better value than A.J. Dillon to the Packers. Um, but I like this. And I don't know if the Bill. I like Devin Singletary. I liked him coming out of the draft. And I think he had a very solid rookie season. I just don't think the Bills see him as a guy that they can just lean on and that they can give like 20 carries a game. And a lot of teams in the draft were drafting running backs to kind of split carries with, you know, a star that they already had. Um, like like the Colts, they drafted Jonathan Taylor to kind of split carries with, um, wow, I am having a brain fart. Um, mm, not Naheem Himes. Uh... I can't think of his name, but they already had a really good running back um, who, was, who was their starter. Now he's going to split carries with Jonathan Taylor. And the Lions had carry on Johnson. They brought in the Swift. I, and, I, and they just kind of followed suit in doing that, kind of getting a, a running back to split carries with their starter. Um, and, and I just really like this pick. Zach Moss was a top 10 running back in the class for me. I thought he was very good. Just barely missed out on being in my top five. Next up, they took UCF receiver Gabriel Davis, who I think is a very good selection there. They're getting some more weapons for Josh Allen, which I love. A lot of a lot of teams did that. A lot of teams with young, up and coming quarterbacks kind of tried to give their their quarterbacks some weapons. Uh, the Broncos did that uh, very well with everything they did to get from some nice pieces on offense. Um, and this is what the Bills are doing here. They didn't have a lot of great weapons last year. At receiver, they had John Brown, who was very good. They had um, Cole Beasley, but besides that, they didn't really have much. And they traded for Stephon Diggs, who was basically their first round pick. I did forget about that. Um, I do, I would consider that their first round pick because they had a first rounder. They just traded it for Diggs, so that would kind of count as their first rounder. Um, and that trade was excellent. Even though they had to give up a lot, I think it's worth it if you're going to try to contend for the Super Bowl this year. And it appears as that's what they're going to be doing. They're trying to contend. They're probably the favorite to win their division. Um, they did some nice, nice things improving their rosters to where I think they're the favorite to win the AFC, the AFC East, especially with the Patriots losing all that they did, including Tom Brady. Um, and e- even with the Dolphins improving as much as they did, I still think the Bills are better than them. Um, and, and they're trying to make a run for a title. And to do that, they got to give uh, Josh Allen some more weapons. Because Josh Allen is a good quarterback. He's not great. He's good. Kind of struggles with accuracy at times. So I think giving him some weapons is a smart move. They did that with Diggs. Diggs is one of the most underrated receivers in the entire league. He's a great route runner. Um, and he's just a very productive receiver. I like that. Uh, I would have been interested to see them go with like a Denzel Mims at pick 22. Just because I think he might have been a better fit with Josh Allen than Stephon Diggs. He's not better than Diggs. I'm not trying to say that. He just might be a better fit for Josh Allen because he has a, a bigger catch radius. He can make con- contested catches. And he's just like you can just throw the ball up to him. And he's going to come down with it. Uh, but... Gabriel Davis, let's get back on track. He's a very good receiver. He can make plays. He's explosive. 
I like this pick, especially at 128. If you if can get a guy that is as big, as, that is a big play threat like Davis at 128, that's a great spot for him. Um, good value. This is a really interesting pick. George, they selected Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm to be their backup, I assume. But is he even going to be their backup? That's the question I have. Because although Jake Fromm is solid, um, he, he's a solid quarterback. He's a good, a good college quarterback. I don't expect him to ever be successful in the NFL. I think he'll be a career backup. And one of the reasons why is because he doesn't have great physical tools. He doesn't have good arm strength. He does not have, like, really any arm strength at all. And you can kind of see that at the combine when they were doing the throwing drills. He was really struggling to drive the ball down the field. He was having to put all he could into those throws. And that's, and that's a little bit concerning. Like, if, if your quarterback can't throw a 10-yard out route, then, like, like his he does not have a high ceiling. He's going to be very limited, and that's the issue you have with Jake Fromm. And with Josh Allen, with, their, with the play style, or with his play style being so different than Jake Fromm, if Fromm does have to step in and play any, any significant amount of time, like, is the offense going to be the same? How are they going to do that? Because Josh Allen is a gunslinger with an incredibly strong arm. And Jake Fromm is not that. He's more of a smart quarterback. He's going to make the right, the right, uh, he's going to make the right throws. He's going to make good decisions. He's not going to turn the ball over. Uh, but he's not going to win you games. He's not going to make big plays and big throws that are going to win you the game. He's more of a game manager in that sense. So I'll, that's going to be interesting if Jake Fromm ever actually gets into a game. Uh, I don't expect him to. This is a good pick, though, because Fromm, like, like in the fifth round, that's a good value for Fromm. I think that's good. I like the selection. And I, I think more teams should invest into their backup quarterback a little bit more, kind of go the Eagles route. And that's how the Eagles build their rosters. They invest heavily into the backup quarterback because if you do that and your backup quarterback turns out to be very solid or even good, um, you can flip that for draft capital. And so this is a smart move. I think Fromm is a very solid quarterback. He's not going to be asked to start. He's not even going to make this a competition. There's going to be no kind of controversy in training camp. I like this move. Jake Fromm is a very solid quarterback. Um, next up, they took Georgia Southern kicker Tyler Bass. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, they got Oregon State receiver Isaiah Hodgins. I did not watch Hodgins, but last year he was very productive. Uh, he was top five in yards, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns at one point. Um, he had a nice productive year at Oregon State. And at pick 207, they are kind of just trying to get value, so I like that pick. Then they, they finished off the draft getting Pittsburgh corner Dane Jackson, which is a steal. That is an excellent value. I don't know. He'll probably fight for a starting spot. I don't know if he will start, but he's going to compete. And, you know, a couple weeks into the season, I would not be surprised to see Jackson um, seeing a lot of playing time and possibly even starting. So I love that pick, uh, finishing off the draft at pick 239. I thought the Bills did a really nice job. No, it's not one of the better drafts I've seen so far. It's definitely not the best in draft. I think the Cowboys had a better draft. But this is very solid. I like the pieces they got and Gabriel Davis. FNS is very solid. Um, Jack Moss, a very good running back. I think he's going to surprise people. And honestly, I think he's a dark horse for Rookie of the Year. I really believe that. I'm a huge Zach Moss fan. 
Um, I think he's going to do good things as a rookie. Jake Fromm is a very solid backup quarterback. Isaiah Hodgins, he's probably not going to play. That's a very good value pick. And then Dane Jackson is a stud. Um, I think he's going to see some playing time as a rookie. So I like their draft. Alright, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins, who really started off the draft hot with Alabama quarterback Tua Tungo-Vailoa. And Tua is so good. He is a very talented quarterback. He's the second-best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. I love him. He's accurate. He's very, very good at going through his reads with, like, with, uh, he, he can make he can go through his progressions quickly and accurately. Um, he makes smart decisions. Doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. I like that about him. He doesn't have great arm strength, which I don't think a lot of people talk about enough. Um, that is one issue I have with him. But he's a very, very good quarterback. He's accurate, kind of like a Drew Brees, but left-handed. I think he's going to be very, very good. I don't know if he's going to play as a rookie. Because he has dealt with injury. And that was a concern for me. That's why I didn't have him going in the top three. Even though he probably has the talent to be a top three pick. I didn't have him going top three. In my mock draft, I had him going uh, five to the Dolphins. Which ended up happening. Um, the injuries concerned me in his play style. Uh, kind of leads me to believe that he may be injury prone. Um, at the next level. Hopefully he can kind of clean that stuff up. Because he's very talented, and he can be a franchise quarterback for the Dolphins. And a franchise guy at quarterback is something they've been looking for for the past couple of years. I think they found it at pick number 5. Then at pick 18, they they selected Austin Jackson, tackle out of USC. And I don't think he was better than Josh Jones, who went in the third round. I thought Josh Jones was a first-round tackle. Austin Jackson has the tools to be excellent. He's more of a developmental guy. He has the tools... He has the size. He has the mobility. and But his tape this year was awful. And I think part of the reason why is because he, he donated bone marrow to his sister who was dealing with cancer. And so he wasn't even able to bench with weight or to squat with weight on his back until week four. So he was not playing at full strength uh, for the whole season. And I think that's part of the reason why he struggled so much this year. But when you watch him play, you see the, the, the physical tools that he has, the size, the athleticism. It's all there. He just has to put it together. I think he, he can be a very, very good starting tackle in the next level. He just needs to develop. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he does develop because I think he's a very solid tackle. Then at 26, they kind of surprised a lot of people, and this pick surprised me. They selected Noah. Hold up, let me get this right. Noah Igmanagin, uh, corner from Alabama. And you might be thinking, why did they do that? They already have Xavier Howard, and they already have Byron Jones, who they paid a lot of money in, in the offseason, in free agency. And he is a very, very solid corner. I don't trust him to play outside, because he doesn't have the physical tools. He doesn't have the long speed to play that. But, if you put him in the slot and play him as a nickel corner, he can be very good in that role. Because he is a very solid, he's a good corner. Um, and I don't think taking him in the first round was a reach. I, I really don't. I think if they play him in the slot, which I expect them to do, he can be very productive. And I think in a few years, we may be looking at, at the Dolphins secondary and saying, wow, this is one of the best secondaries in the entire league. I truly believe that. I think they are creating something special there 
and Miami with their secondary. Um, and they did make one more addition later in the draft, which I will get to. Then, um, in the second round, they got Robert Hunt, a tackle from Louisiana, who is an absolute stud. He's really good. He's going to start as a rookie because their offensive line was terrible. They gave up 54 sacks last year, which is unacceptable. They had to clean that up. Robert Hunt is really versatile. He's mobile. He's strong. And I think getting him in the second round, good value. I like that pick. He can play guard or tackle. He's versatile. And he's got the physical tools to be a good starting tackle at the next level. I love what they did in the first two rounds, getting Jackson and Hunt. I love those moves uh, to improve their offensive line. Now, this is one of the most interesting picks in the first two rounds, in my opinion. And that's defensive tackle Raekwon Davis. The Dolphins got him at pick 50, uh, 56. I like him. Now, at Alabama this year, he was used more as a run stopper. And early on in his career at Alabama, in his first two years, he, they kind of let him loose and allowed him to be more of a pass rusher. So he was more productive. But as his role changed, he became less productive as the years went on. And so that kind of hurt him. But I think he's got a lot of potential because he is a humongous human being. He's a giant. He's a behemoth. Uh, I think he's got the potential to be really, really good. They needed defensive tackle. They got one here. I think his potential is very high. Um, it'll it'll depend on what role they ask him to do, to play, uh, because he's he's a good run stopper. But I think he can be even more than that. It'll be interesting to see what the Dolphins ask him to be, because I think he has the potential to be really really good. Now let's move on. Uh, Texas safety Brandon Jones was their next pick at pick seventy. And they needed to pick up a safety. I thought they would go safety at pick 26. Maybe get Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield, maybe even Ashton Davis. I liked all three of those guys. Um, instead, they waited. They got Brandon Jones at pick 70, who I like. Um, I really wish they would have went safety earlier because they did have guys available that they passed up on who I thought were extremely talented and first-round quality safeties. Um, but Brandon Jones is a good safety. They're going to be able to play him as a rookie. He's going to start because they don't really have much back there. Uh, they have Rashad Jones, but he's aging. They also have, um, it's not Barry Church. I don't know who their free safety is. I'm forgetting his name. Um, it's not great. Um, it's just okay, their, their safety duo back there. Um, but Brandon Jones, they're going to be able to plug him in as a rookie. He's going to be productive. I like that pick a lot. Then they got Georgia guard Solomon Kindley at pick 111. He's a big guy, athletic, mobile. This is good value. And the theme of this draft is improving their secondary, making that even stronger than it already was, and just improving their offensive line so they can kind of protect Tua. Um, and they continue doing that here. They also got North Carolina defensive end Jason Stowbridge at 154. That's solid value. Um, then they got at 164, at, wow, at pick 164, they got Boise State defensive end Curtis Weaver, who is very athletic, and this is a, an absolute steal. I think his potential is really high, and getting him at this spot, that's a good value. I love this pick for them, and they honestly don't really have much on their defensive line. Um, they got, um, uh, who is it, uh, Christian Wilkins last year. Uh, defensive end out of Clemson. 
They improved their defensive line in this draft, which I love. I love this pick. I didn't have Curtis Weaver in my top five edge rushers, but he was up there. Like He has a ton of potential. I love this pick for them. Then they finished off the draft getting Blake Ferguson, um, LSU long snapper, and Navy running back Malcolm Perry. He played quarterback for them. I don't know if he'll make the roster, but if he does, he can kind of be their Taysom Hill. He's very versatile. He's fast. Um, obviously, he wasn't asked to be a passer at Navy, uh, but he's very versatile. He's athletic, and I like the pick at 246. All right, let's move on to the New England Patriots, who didn't have a great draft, but I think they had a better draft than a lot of people think. Um, their first two picks were amazing. And at pick 37, they traded out of the first round, traded back into the second round. They got Kyle Duggar, safety out of Lenore Ryan, who is a stud. He is very athletic. And he One of the best things about his game is his ability to come out of breaks. It, it's just special. Um, he's very athletic. He's got good ball skills. He even has potential as a returner. Um, I like him in that. I like that part of his game a lot. He was a very good punt returner at Lenore Ryan, and I think he you can plug him in. You know, Devin McCourty's getting kind of old, um, so they're gonna probably lose him in a in a year or two, um, and so they they found his replacement. I think Douglas has a lot of potential, and if we're talking about him being one of the best young safeties in the league in a few years, I wouldn't be shocked. Next up in the second round, they also got no. This was in the third round. They got Michigan linebacker Josh Uche at pick number sixty. And I really like Joshua Yusei. I had him as a, I think as I had him as the number five linebacker in the class. Actually, no. Yeah, yeah, I had him at linebacker because I, I think he's gonna play as like an outside linebacker in a three-four. I thought he was a stud at Michigan. Um, that he kind of played at defensive end and outside linebacker. I really like him. He's versatile. He can, he can, he can play in coverage. He's very good at that. Um, he can also you can put him at like as a four three defensive end, and he'll he'll do okay at that. You know he doesn't have the size or the strength to really play that full time, but he's got the athleticism. He's got the good off to play that in spurts, and I like that about him. I thought that was a great pick. I love that. You know, I thought Zach Vaughn would have been a better fit. I don't remember if he was off the board at this point or not, but Zach Vaughn is like, the he is such a Patriots player. He's like Kyle Van Noy with more juice. Um, but I love the U-shape pick. I thought it was amazing. Next up, they got Anthony Jennings in the third round. Now, I did not like this pick at all. This was a reach for Jennings. It was a total Patriots pick. Um, they'll probably be able to find a way to use Jennings, and he'll probably be productive for the Patriots. That's just what they do. Um, but I don't think it was wor- worth a third-round pick. I thought they reached, um, reached to get him at that spot. Um, that's really all I have to say about Jennings. He is solid. When I was watching the LSU game, he did pop off the screen a few times, and I was like, oh, okay, there's Anthony Jennings. I like what I see from him. I just don't think he was worth a third-round pick. He's not very athletic. He's not very strong. Um, so I would not have taken him here. Um, I thought this was a reach. Next up, they took UCLA tight end Devin Ossie at number 90, at pick 91. Um, Ossie Ossie is very good. He's going to be a great tight end for them. He's got decent speed. He comes out of his breaks cleanly. He's got good hands. 
I like him a lot. I think they're going to be able to use him. He's going to be very, very productive for the Patriots. I love this pick. They followed that selection up with Virginia Tech tight end Dalton Keene. That was a little bit of a reach in my opinion. Um, but, you know, the Patriots are going to be able to use two tight ends somehow. They're going to find a way to utilize this guy. I didn't really watch him all that much, to be honest. Um, so I don't have much to say about him. Um, I don't love taking two tight ends, especially this high. Uh, I like the Aussie Aussie pick. I don't like this tight end. I don't I don't really love the Dalton Keene pick. Um and that's just that's all I really have to say about him. Next up they got Marshall Kicker and Justin uh Ron Wa- Wow. Justin is it wow, hold up. Justin Roy Wasser. That's a hard name to say. And that guy was very there was a lot of controversy surrounding him after the draft because he had a tattoo of uh, a three percenter tattoo, which has Nazi ties, which is a tough scene to be honest. Um, I I'm kind of surprised they didn't already know about this. Maybe they didn't. They just picked him anyway. Uh, but if my kicker that I was looking at drafting had a had a tattoo of a um a a three percenter tattoo, which is an organization with the Nazi ties, I probably wouldn't pick him. They they decided to choose him anyway. Um, interesting decision, but this is a kicker. Not much to say. Next up, they got Michigan guard Michael Unwenu. Then they got Wake Forest tackle Justin Heron. Then they got Wyoming linebacker Cash Maluia and Memphis center Justin Wood- Woodard. I like how they went out went and ch- kind of um, kind of made their off. They tried to make their offensive line even stronger than it already was. I like what they did in the late rounds. They also got uh, Wyoming linebacker Cash Maluia. Uh, very interesting name. I don't know if he's going to play at all. Probably not. I didn't really watch a whole lot of him. He kind of got outshined by Josh or uh, by um, uh, Logan Wilson, linebacker, and he was amazing. I had him as a top three pure inside linebacker in this class. I thought he was amazing. Uh, but a solid, an okay class for the Patriots. Nothing great, but I don't think it was awful. I think their first two picks, or their first, yeah, their first two picks, and then Devin Asiasi, that's an okay class. Let's uh, finish off the AFC East by talking about the New York Jets, who absolutely killed it in the draft. They had an amazing draft. I thought they did a, an amazing job. Starting off at n- pick number 11 with Louisville tackle Makai Becton, who was my number two tackle the entire class. I absolutely love him. I think he's a stud. Um, he's very strong. He's got incredible raw power, incredible size, and elite speed for elite mobility for a tackle. He's six. He's six eight, three sixty, which is absolutely insane. Um, that's crazy. He he's a stud. He's not a developmental type and a developmental tackle. A lot of people say that he is. I disagree. He's got, they're going to be able to plug him in day one, and he's going to be an amazing tackle as a rookie. I love him. Um, he's a great run blocker. He's solid as a pass blocker. We didn't see him play in a lot of pass sets at Louisville. They ran the ball a lot. Um, but in those pass sets, he did a fine job. And like I said, he's got incredible raw power. What he does when he put his, puts his hands on people is incredible. I love Becton, and I think he has the most potential out of any tackle in the entire draft. I really do. Next up, they got Baylor receiver Denzel Mims at pick number 59. I had him as a first-rounder. 
I, I, I thought he was a spectacular receiver at Baylor. He was the fifth best receiver in the entire class to me. I love him. He's got the speed. He's a, he's a good route runner. Not amazing, but a very solid route runner. Um, he's got a, he's great at making contested catches. You can trust him. Just put the ball out there and let him make, make a play. He's got a very large catch radius. I love Mims. He's going to slide in, and I think he's going to be their wide receiver number one. I honestly do. Um, I think he's a stud, and I love the value here in the second round. Th- this was a great pick. Uh, with our third selection, they got Cal Safety Ashton Davis at pick 68. I love this pick as well. Oh, man, Davis is a stud. I had him as the number three safety in the entire draft, and I thought he was a first-rounder. I didn't have him going in the first round in my mock draft, but if the Dolphins would have taken him at 26, I would have been fine with it. He has, He's a first-round talent, and he's going to be able to slide in and start day one. He is amazing, and I think he can do everything Xavier McKinney can do, just a little bit better. He's faster. He's got track speed. He's a ball hawk. I love him. You can even play him in the box. He's got that versatility. I love Ashton Davis. And that, that's they got three first-round talents in their first three picks. That is amazing. If you can do that, that is a great draft. And based on the first three picks alone, if they didn't make another pick in the entire draft, this is an, an amazing class for them. But it keeps on getting better. So, in the fourth round, they got Jabari Zuniga, and they got LaMichael Piran. Um, Zuniga's a defensive end from Florida, and Piran is a running back from Florida. Those are both solid selections. Uh, Piran can kind of, uh, I don't, he's not going to split carries with Bell, but they can kind of, you know, take the pressure off of Bell a little bit and give Piran some carries. I like that pick. And, uh, Zuniga, they can block him on the defensive line. This is a solid value. I like this pick for them. Then, they got Florida International quarterback James Morgan, who is a good backup. Like, if you're asking him to be your backup, that is an amazing pick. I thought James Morgan was a very solid quarterback. Um, one of the better quarterbacks in the class. I didn't have him top five, but, like, he's, like, on the next tier besides those guys. I think he's solid. And if he can get into a game and kind of be productive, they could flip him for a draft pick. I love this pick. He's never going to start over Sam Darnold. He's not more talented than him. So they don't have to worry about that. But now they have a really, really good backup for Darnold. In case he has to miss time, I love that selection. Then they got UNC Charlotte tackle Cameron Clark. I didn't really watch him. But one of the steals in the entire draft, Virginia corner Bryce Hall, who would have been drafted in the first two rounds had he not suffered an injury. And, you know, with the whole coronavirus situation, teams weren't able to bring guys in to check up their medicals. So that's why he fell so far. This was an excellent pick. I love this. Bryce Hall is an amazing selection. And there's not a whole lot of risk here at pick 158. I like this pick. That was an amazing selection. And if he can stay, if he can get back to full strength, he's going to start for this team. I like that pick. Then they finished off the draft with Texas A&M punter, Braden Mann. I'm not going to talk about a punter. Uh, you know, I respect punters. Punters do matter. I'm just not going to talk about them. I didn't scout them because I don't scout kickers and punters. Um, but yeah, an excellent class for them. They killed it. They had the best draft in the entire AFC East division. I thought they did a, f- a phenomenal job. Um, and 
everyone in the in the AFC East, this is not one of the stronger divisions in terms of what they did in the draft. I thought the Bills did a good job. I thought the Jets killed it. Uh, and, oh, the Dolphins, they did, they had a great draft. Um, and then the Patriots, they were eh, meh. Um, but a, a solid draft uh, as a whole for this division. The Jets killed it. I thought they had one of the best drafts out of any team in the NFL. They did a great job. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I want to do for the a- AFC East. That's one division down. Next week, or the next time I do a um, a recap for a division, I think I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to do an NFC, an NFC um, division. Um, and I'm, I'm doing this where I go NFC, AFC, NFC. So I kind of, um, I'm going to do one division that I'm going to, or one conference that I'm going to do a division from the other conference. So I'll do an AFC uh, AFC team next, I think. All right, NFC team next. I think I'm gonna do the NFC North, possibly. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna take a break. Then we're gonna get into some of the top prospects in the NBA draft. I'll be right back. Alright, I'm back, and now let's get started going into, kind of starting our deep dives into some of the prospects in this year's NBA draft. And to be honest, the top of the draft this year is not very strong. It just isn't. Um, there's not a lot of guys where it's like, oh, these are these are franchise guys. These are can't-miss prospects. There, no, there's no Zion Williamson. There's no John Morant. There's a bunch of guys who have, who have really high upside. But they got a lot of flaws, and they're just not very safe. And I think they are—they have a, a a high a high chance to be a bust. I really do. Uh, but this draft is really, really deep. There's going to be a lot of great role players in this draft. That's why I am—I'm loving this draft class so far. Not because of the top, but because of how deep it is. And in the in the middle, in the late first round, there's going to be a lot of quality role players. That's why I'm so excited. But let's get into it. Starting off with LaMelo Ball, a point guard in the NBL this season. He played for the LaWara Hawks. And this guy, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit lower on him than most people, but he has a lot of upside, and man, is he a great passer. I think his playmaking ability is one of the best skills out of any any skill in the era. He ha- I, I, I'm, t- I'm trying to figure out how to say this. His playmaking ability is elite, and it's one of the best skills out of any prospect in the entire draft. It really is. Um, it's special what he does as a passer. His vision and his decision-making is absolutely incredible. There there was this one play where he there was a screen set on him in the corner, or set for him in the corner, and he made this amazing behind-the-back pass, and I don't know how he saw the guy, but he did, and it led the points, and when I saw that, the first time I saw that play, I was like, wow, this guy is special. Now, although he's a great playmaker, and he's got a good handle, and he's got an elite feel for the game, like his touch around the rim, and his feel for the game is amazing, and it's rare to see a guy with this kind of feel, but I have some major issues with him. Starting off with the defense, he is a horrendous defender. He just is not engaged on that end of the floor, 
And there's a lot of times when he gets beat, he allows guys to cut behind him, get easy baskets. I can't have that at the next level. Uh, and I have concerns with Trey Young. That's a huge part, a huge flaw in his game. And I see that in Lamella Ball's game. I, I'm really concerned about that. Then we got to look at his shooting. His form is terrible. And part in, you know, his dad deserves a lot of the blame because he had him shooting like 30 footers when he was in middle school and high school. You can't do that. Like, that stunted his growth. That ruined his shooting mechanics. Now he shoots with two hands. He's shooting like this, like that. He's shooting with two hands. His lower body mechanics are terrible. His mechanics overall are just really inconsistent. And they've been ruined by his father making him shoot from really, really deep at a young age. That hurt him. He's got to totally change his jump shot. And his shooting percentages are really, really bad. Now, I wouldn't be so concerned if the free throw percentage wasn't low. Because usually free throw percentage is a good indicator on whether or not a player is going to be a good shooter at the next level. And he shot around 70% from the free throw line. That's not good. Like, for a point guard, that's not impressive at all. Um, and although he does have uh, a, a good touch around the rim, I just, I don't see, like, Anything where I'm like, okay, he's going to be fine. The jump shot's going to improve. He's going to be a good shooter at the next level. I don't see anything that would indicate that. And so that's why I'm so concerned. The shooting, the defense, there are two huge flaws in his game. And that's why I'm not as high on Lamilla Ball as a lot of people are. But look, this guy is a 6'7 point guard with elite passing, elite court vision. And that's special. I think that's why he's a top 10 prospect in the draft. And look, if you pick him top 5, I'm not going to hate the pick. I, I'm just not. I, I mean, I can see why. He has a ton of upside. Now, I think the highest I would have him in my point guard rankings is 2. Um, but, like, he's got a ton of upside. I think he's close to Tyrese Halliburton. I think those players are a lot closer than people would like to admit. Um, but LaMelo Ball is good. He has the potential to be a franchise point guard, but he either A, has to improve as a defender, or B, improve as a, as a shooter. If he does, if he improves as a shooter, he can be a, an elite point guard in the NBA. If he doesn't, and he doesn't improve as a defender, I don't really know what we have here. Like, Rondo, but maybe a little bit worse. Like, like just I'm just trying to be honest. I see the potential in the LaMelo ball, but there are flaws in his game that really concern me. I like him. Uh, he's one of the most impressive point guards I've seen recently, just in terms of size, core vision, feel for the game. You know, it, it's rare, the, the talent he has, but the la the lack of shooting... And the just the lack of awareness and just motor on the defensive side of the ball is really concerning for me. One thing I do want to mention is he likes to be very aggressive in the backcourt. When like a like a big man grabs a rebound, he'll try to get steals, which I like that. But at the next level, you're probably not going to be able to do that because you're going to give up easy fast break fast break points, and you're going to pick up unnecessary fouls doing that. Um, and, and that's one part of his game that I kind of like, but I don't see that being a huge part of his game in the next level. One thing I also want to mention is that he's a great rebounder for a point guard. Like, a phenomenal rebounder, just like his brother Lonzo Ball. 
And I think I don't think he's like his brother Alonzo Ball all that much. Um, he's not as good of a defender. He's not as good of a shooter. Uh, I think he's got more potential as a scorer and as a passer. Like, you're, I think he has the potential to be a number one guy, like the number one option on a team, on like a playoff team at some point. But, like I said, the shooting's really concerning. The shot selection at times is really bad. Um, and the defense are all really, really big flaws. And that's why I'm low on him than most people. But he's very talented, and he has a lot of potential. Alright, let's move on and talk about Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard out of Georgia. And I think he has the most potential out of anybody in this draft. But he's not my number one player in the class. I don't, I, I, I'm probably not going to have him as the number one player in the class. And the reason why is the defense and the passing and the, and the, the shot selection. And I, I want to get into that later because I do want to talk about his strengths. Because there there's a lot to like about him. He is an incredible athlete. He's very athletic. He's got he's got good speed. Um, vertically, he is a he, he's got an elite vertical. Um, he's very athletic. He he, he like the dunks he had in Georgia this year were incredibly impressive. Um, and he's great at blowing by people. He's got a good first step, and his ability to get to the rim and score at the basket is amazing. I love that part of his game. And when he does that, when he just overpowers defenders and gets to the rim, he's the best player in the class. And another thing that I like about him is he's a decent passer. He showed flashes of decent court vision and good playmaking ability. Now, it didn't happen consistently enough for me, um, but there were flashes where I was like, okay, this guy's a solid passer. He can be like kind of a secondary playmaker. Now, I wouldn't ask him to be a primary playmaker or a primary ball handler, um, but there were flashes where I was like, okay, I see some decent playmaking. Um, I like that about him. I also like I like his potential as a defender because he's got incredible size. He's 6'5", 225, I believe. He's an incredible, incredible specimen. And he is built. Um, and, and he's got the length. He's got the size. I think he can be a good defender at the next level. He just has to be, he, he has to have more of a motor on that end. And he's got to have better awareness. There were plays where he was so out, out of sorts and he was just like, uh, he's like out of the play. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like He'll make some really, really terrible decisions defensively. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you put yourself out of the play by doing this. And his communication on defense wasn't great this year at, at Georgia. Um, but he's got the physical tools to be a good defender. And he slides his feet very well. So I, I, I think he's got the upside the upside to be a good defender. I just don't know if he'll ever reach that. Um, another part of his game is his shot-making ability. His ability to hit difficult shots is insane. Now, that'll kind of get the best of him at times because he'll kind of settle for tough shots when he'll have a wide-open teammate. Um, and he'll, he'll settle for a, a jump shot when he's triple-teamed. And he'll make it sometimes. But you really don't want him taking that shot. He's got to. He has to improve his shot selection, and he has to improve his decision making as a passer, and, and uh, as a shot, as a like in his shot selection as well. He's just too inconsistent as a, as a decision maker. Sometimes he'll make the right read, and then a lot of times he just won't. And he's really inconsistent. He's got to clean that up. But like I said, he's athletic. 
He's a great shot maker, and he's got the potential to be a good defender in the NBA. Um, but the shot selection, the defense, it's just, or the lack of defensive awareness, it's a big concern for me, and it's why I'm, like, weary of putting him number one on my board. Um, but I do see the potential, and I think he's the most talented player in the entire class. I like Edwards. There's just some things where I'm like, I love him, but uh, I'm not, like, all in on this guy. Moving on to one of my favorite players in the entire class, and it's Killian Hayes, a point guard who played overseas this year. He played in Germany, played for Ratio Farm, Yulm. I don't know what Yulm stands for, um, but he played overseas in Germany. He's a French point guard. Man, he is impressive. He's a crafty scorer who has... He was implemented some sidesteps and some step backs. He kind of looks like James Harden at times when he's creating his own shot, which I really, really like. He continues to show drastic improvements in that department as a scorer, and I love that about his game. Um, he's a phenomenal passer. He is not as good of a passer as Lamella Ball, in my opinion, but he is on his level. Like, he is very, very close. If we separate it into tiers, like, if, if we separate this draft into tiers in terms of playmaking, like, LaMelo Ball and Killian Hayes are on the same level. Honestly, Killian Hayes is a great playmaker. My one issue with him is that he's very left-hand dominant, dominant, and so when there's a pick-and-roll set to his right, he'll pick up his dribble when he's dribbling with his right hand, he'll pick up the, his dribble prematurely, and that ruins any chance of him making a play, because there's a lot of plays where he needs to kind of extend his dribble, like, go farther out right, and then hit the roll, the roll man, um, but there's too many times where he picks up his dribble, he's got to fix that, clean up that part of his game, um, but he is a great passer, he also has a nice feel for the game, um, he's not very athletic, but he's got great body control. He's got nice touch around the rim, which I love. Um, his shooting percentages, um, for, or at least from three and from the field, weren't great. But his free throw percentage was close to 90%. And he's got nice touch. So I think he'll be a good shooter in the next level. He does kind of have a weird, unconventional shooting form, which he should probably clean up. It's like at his chin. And so, he'll have to clean that up at the next level. Kind of get that to his forehead. I just need his release point to be higher up. Or I, It doesn't have to be. Because you, you can shine as a shooter with an unconventional shoot, with unconventional shooting mechanics. I just think it would really help him out to kind of get his release point to be higher. Um, but the shooting percentages don't scare me because he's got a nice touch in the, in the free throw percentage. Which is a good indicator of being a good shooter in the next level, it's really high. Um, next up, he has good size. Like he's 6'5", 215, um, so he's built, and he's got, I think he's got the size, the length to be a good defender in the next level. He's not a great defender, um, but he's aggressive, and he's active, which I like. If at, at the end of the day, if you're active, and you're just awake on the defensive end of the, of the court as a point guard, and you're going to be my franchise point guard, I'm fine with that. I, I, I just can't, it's, it gets to be an issue when you're just like not engaged, you're not in a stance, you're giving up easy baskets because you're letting guys cut behind your back. I can't have that. I don't see that issue with Hayes, and although he's not a great defender, 
He's got good length. He's very aggressive, which gets him into foul trouble. Um, but I do like that he's aggressive and engaged on that side of the court. Um, I like that about his game. Like I said, he's left-hand dominant, and that's a huge issue he's got to clean up. But a lot of left-hand guys are left-hand dominant. And so, like, it hasn't ruined, like, James Harden's game. James Harden is very left-hand dominant. Um, and it hasn't really been an issue for him. And, and I don't know it'll, if it'll be a huge issue for Killian Hayes. My one issue with him is that he just needs to kind of on-picking rolls to his right. He needs to extend the dribble and not kill the dribble. Um, prematurely like he tends to do now. Um, but like I said, I don't know. I don't think that'll be a huge issue for him at the next level. And like, that's all I really have to say about Killian Hayes. He's a crafty scorer. He's a great playmaker. He's not athletic, but he keeps improving as a scorer and as a ball handler. And he's implementing some nice advanced moves into his game. I like that about him. I think Hayes is a great point guard. I think he's one of the best point guards in the class. I love him. I think any team looking for a franchise point guard um, should look at him because he's a crafty scorer. He's a solid shooter. Or, or he has the potential to be a solid shooter at the next level. He's a great playmaker. He's an okay defender. Like, what more could you ask for? I love Killian Hayes. I think he's a great prospect. And not all of these guys are good prospects. They all have a lot of potential, and I'm excited to see where these guys end up getting drafted. Um, but like I said, I'm probably lower than LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards than a lot of people are. Um, a lot of people are just like, oh, they're one and two. And I'm like, eh, let's kind of, let, let's take it easy and like watch the guys. And I mean, yes, they have some of the highest upside in the entire class, but they have some of the biggest flaws as well. So I would just keep that in mind. Um, if you're looking at mock draft and you're like, oh, well, okay, like, everybody has Lamella Bullets and Anthony Edwards as the top two picks, they must be the top two picks. I don't know. Um, I tend to disagree. Um, that's just me, and eventually I'll, I'll release my big board and my mock draft, um, but that's later down the road, but, yeah, this is fun. I hope you all enjoyed this. If you want to see more content from us here at The Wire, check out our website at thewiresports.com. We have articles. We have this podcast under the podcast tab. We have YouTube videos. We have, we have a YouTube channel uh, called The Wire, so go check that out. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I have for us today. I hope you all enjoyed this, and I will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.